Thank you for joining us today for another episode of Got Guts, a podcast of the American Journal of Physiology, Gastrointestinal and Liver Physiology. Joining us today are Editor-in-Chief, Professor Mark Pry, and Senior Author, Dr. Liara Gonzalez, of the recently published manuscript titled HOP-X Positive Injury-Resistant Intestinal Stem Cell Drive Epithelial Recovery After Severe Intestinal Ischemia. So let's talk guts. Over to you, Professor Fry. Thanks, Jamie. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Liara, Jamie. I'm delighted to have you here. I'm always happy to have some stem cell talk on our podcast, and so I'm really looking forward to this one. Now, as, as you know, we like to talk both about the science and about the investigator to connect with one another and build a sense of community in the GI research field. So why don't we start with just a little bit about you? Do you want to tell us how you got into research and what drove you to study the GI tract in the long run? Sure. Yeah, I think um, I have a pretty non-traditional route to have gotten here compared to a lot of basic scientists. I'm actually a veterinarian uh, by training and um, progressed into specializing horses, actually. So I did after veterinary school, I did an internship at Mequine Hospital outside of New York City, and then uh, came down to North Carolina for a large animal surgery residency. So I'm actually a, a boarded large animal surgeon. Um, And horses suffer from a lot of colic. It's the primary cause of death, actually, in horses between the ages of 1 and 20. And so my frustration uh, acting as a clinician trying to save these animals, particularly with a type of disease called ischemia reperfusion injury that is particularly deadly um, and or associated with a high morbidity rate, is what drove me into wanting to be associated with better cures. And so... There was an amazing mentor here at North Carolina State University, Dr. Anthony Blitzlager, who also does GI research and is a basic scientist as well as a veterinary surgeon. Um, And he invited me to join his laboratory to try and solve this problem. And so what we recognized is that there was this lack of large animal translational models um, that could better recapitulate human disease as well that could be used whether the patient was a veterinary patient or whether it was a human Mm -hmm. patient. And so that's how I got involved in GI research was just sort of being in the right place at the right time. Um, And and, and colicky horses, basically. And colicky colicky (laughs) horses. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, and, and now, you know, it's interesting how our careers progress and um, I still do some research and ultimately would love Mm -hmm. to help animals but the fair majority of my research is actually really focused on human disease at this point. Mm-hmm. So trying to, trying to continue to balance the two, but it's interesting. How our, that's our, great. Yeah. That, that's actually a pretty cool story. I, I like it. It's, I would never have guessed colicky horses was going to be the answer. <laughs> <laughs> although, although I knew you were a veterinarian, so I, I, I could have guessed there might be some kind of angle like that, but that's, that's great. Cool. So I guess maybe to, to get the listeners up to speed with what we're talking about today. Do you want to give us a little bit of description of the of your paper? Maybe give us, you know, the elevator pitch speech. Absolutely, sure. So, ischemia reperfusion is a component of many different disease types. I mean, a lot of different human disease actually have a component where uh, the tissue, intestinal tissue, becomes ischemic um, and then ultimately potentially uh, reperfused as well. So, there's two components of that injury. Um, whether we're talking mm-hmm. about neonates with necrotizing enterocolitis, 
even people that have heart attacks and anything that decreases the blood supply to your intestine, uh, your intestine is not a privileged organ. And so it's one of the few, you know, basically your blood is going to be shunted to your privileged organs like your brain and your heart and away from the intestine. And so there's a lot, a lot of different disease where our intestine is subjected to ischemic injury and then potentially reperfusion later. But we actually have very few treatments to address uh, intestinal injury. And what happens with when the intestine becomes ischemic is it loses that single layer of intestinal epithelial cells that protects the gut from the translocation of bacteria and toxins into our systemic uh, blood supply. So then people end up becoming septic, bacteremic, mm -hmm. and all these morbidities associated with the primary injury. And so um, intestinal stem cells are the source of intestinal regeneration. Um, and so coming in as a clinician, perhaps we can't prevent the ischemic injury, but can we enhance the repair? Can we make the, or assist those intestinal stem cells that remain to um, more efficiently differentiate and resurface that intestinal epithelium to, to create a more effective barrier? And so in order to sort of come at the angle of applying this to clinical cases, I use my training background training as a large animal surgeon to use this model of ischemic injury in pigs. And yep. first we need to just, you know, the previous, I have a previous paper uh, where we really were just honing in on this model, how much ischemic injury do we actually have to induce in order to start damaging the intestinal stem cells? And really it needs to be up to three hours. Three hours mm -hmm. of ischemic injury, we're starting to see injury really down at the, within the crypt, um, within the progenitor cells in the intestinal stem cells. What we noticed in that paper was that the active intestinal stem cell population or the cycling, the active recycling cells are more sensitive to ischemic injury. So they, unlike other types of injury models, the cycling intestinal stem cells are actually uh, targeted first. They seem to not be able to withstand ischemic injury and that the more reserve, or now we're calling these injury resistant intestinal stem cells are able to- that, That's their name this week, yeah. That's the name this week, yeah, right? <laughs> Exactly. You hit it on the head. There is a population of cells, but everything else is gone. So unlike some of these other mm -hmm. injury models that we're seeing, uh, perhaps ability to transition back into a more mm -hmm. progenitor type cell, they're all gone. They're like stripped down. So, so the only thing that's left of the cells way down in the crypt base. And of those, it seems to be this subpopulation of injury resistant cells. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder, well, when after that type of injury, what happens to the gut? Can it, can it recover? And in fact, it can. So despite this, I mean, you look at some of the architecture within this paper of our tissue and it looks completely destroyed. It's hard to tell yeah, what so cells are. It's some pretty gnarly histology. Yeah. Yeah. It's super gnarly. And so, and yet it does, it re-epithelializes, it reorganizes. Um, it doesn't, at the end of three days, it doesn't look like normal jejunum by far. It actually looks more like colon, but it's re-epithelialized. And I'm like, wow, that's, um, and it's an amazing capacity. I mean, anybody who studies any other type of stem cells got to be jealous of our, you know, the because it's <laughs> they, they should prepared. be. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we can basically make a new gut from a couple cells left down in the crypt base. And so I really wanted to look into those, mm -hmm. into those cells that were driving that repair. Um, a sort of a finding from my previous paper was that when we had uh, looked at these cells in culture, so doing a 3D aneroid culture, 
And we're literally just looking at markers of intestinal stem mm-hmm. cells and seeing what's there, what's not there. So gene expression. When we plated these cells after severe ischemic injury, they were highly expressed in HOPEX, which is we've been using as a marker of these reserve intestinal stem cells. But they stayed stagnant in size. They didn't really change mm-hmm. in size. And then all of a sudden, at 120 hours out, they start to grow, and we notice the gene expression for HOPEX drops. Well, that's interesting. And nobody had really looked at HOPEX more than just a biomarker, at least within our field in GI intestinal right. stem cells. Right. So I started looking into literature, and in fact, HOPEX is known as a tumor suppressor gene in cancer biology. I was like, oh my goodness, I hadn't, you know, really, I mean, cancer regeneration are kind of, you know, go one <laughs> kind yeah, of they, parallel they, they, thing, they, right? they could disguise themselves as one another if they had to in a, in a bad spy comedy, yes. Exactly, exactly. And so that's what got me onto this idea about, you know, I became interested in these injury resistant, these reserve cells, and now this HOPX as a potential mediator of cellular behavior. And so um, we basically went back, we started looking at this uh, intestine as it was regenerating, which was the first paper we looked at acute injury. This paper, we're really looking at regeneration and then started manipulating HOPEX in culture. Mm-hmm. And we're able to silence HOPEX uh, from CRIPS that were uh, subjected to three hours of ischemic injury. And when we uh, downregulated HOPEX, they grew. And so it really seems to be like this switch um, or serves as a switch in order to activate these cells to proliferate. So that was really the most, one of the most exciting parts in addition to just some of the tools that we came up with. I mean, these, nobody's doing this type of stuff um, that I know of in, in pigs. Um, we sorted the cells, uh, turned out that after you demolish the intestine, you can't isolate Crips anymore. And so, <laughs> So funny, we were like, funny oh, how that works. no, how we can't get crisp, we just get schmoo. And, then, and so um, we had to go and, and, and fact sort them um, mm-hmm. and sort them by EPCAM expression. So we could, okay, what epithelial cells are left? And that was our starting material in this recovery tissue, because otherwise, so that was a big hiccup that actually caused a little bit of delay because we had this wonderful idea, we'll just collect the crisps while in the recovering tissue yeah, yeah. Um, and couldn't do it. And so then we went back, we uh, started uh, flow sorting, isolate those cells. And then, you know, like I said, did the adenovirus work to, to knock down uh, HOPEX as well and mm-hmm. show that in fact, those cells uh, it, it's, are activated to proliferate when HOPEX is downregulated. Cool, cool. That's, that's fantastic. It's such a neat story. And there's, and there's so many elements of this story that really underscore why the GI tract is the coolest organ in the body or the coolest organ system. Right. And just the the fact that you can do all that, right. It's fantastic. And and it's, it's really wonderful work. I think with implications that probably will go well beyond ischemia reperfusion injury as well. I mean, the, you you mentioned uh, necrotizing enterocolitis up the top. There's a lot of people working towards things like tissue engineered pieces of gut for kids with short bowel syndrome after NEC. And, you know, one of the big barriers for that is making enough. And maybe HOPEX is a target folks should be looking at. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think it was, um, this is just one one injury model yeah, that, yeah. that, you know, it recapitulates well, and, 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 the clinical and, and, disease. 
Right, mm -hmm. right. So it's, it's a clinically well, important model already right. with right. additional implications. Yeah. Absolutely. I totally agree. So what next then? So what, what are you working on next? What's the, what's your new frontier? Or what are you excited about now? So the, the new frontiers, there's still limitations, right, with the mm -hmm. four-sign model. Um, as much as I am a proponent for, for using it, I recognize that in studying the mechanism of these individual cells and for looking at subpopulations and how things change, it's kind of hard to do in a pig. And so we are coming up with better ways to isolate single cells um, and identify them so that we can really delve into who are those injury-resistant intestinal stem cells mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. And so we are developing uh, a transgenic porcine model to take a look at that, that publication. That sounds Hopefully. like a lot of work. <laughs> uh, lots of collaboration. Um, yeah. But uh, super exciting stuff that hopefully will be out pretty soon. And overall, really understanding what's happening. So we know day two is really the peak regeneration. I mean, we're mm -hmm. seeing highly active cells in general. So what is that? What is signaling? Because just like you said, we need to be able to regenerate the intestine uh, faster and more efficiently mm -hmm. in these patients. Um, and so that's what I really want to hone in on. Mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. What are the cellular mechanisms that are going on? What are the signals, the subepithelial signals? What are the epithelial signals that's really triggering that very, very rapid proliferative state that we're seeing at day two post-injury? And so that, that's really where my focus is going to be. Yeah, fantastic. That's exciting. I'm looking forward to reading that paper when it comes out, <laughs> as as well as this current one, which I think is just absolutely terrific. Um, Thank you. All right. So when you're not thinking about the digestive organs, what do you like to do? Oh, boy. Um, what happens outside the lab for you? Yeah. So so big surprise. I love to ride horses. Um <laughs> <laughs> I think they um, take away your, your veterinary license if you don't, right? That's right. I, I think so. The hard thing, of course, is finding the time. Um, my own horses are extremely geriatric, so I, I don't get mm. to ride my own. They just get the uh, pasture ornaments. But I get to ride other people's horses uh, through the woods. I do a, a crazy, I won't call it, it's a wonderful sport called Ride and Tie, which is basically endurance riding and running through the woods in the mountains somewhere off the grid. Um, Wait, so, you, so you ride the horse... And then you get off the horse and run yourself? Is that Correct. It's two okay. people and a horse to a team. And so you basically leapfrog. Wait, so you got to keep up with the horse when the other person is riding it? No, they tie it to a tree. So they run oh, up okay. ready oh, you. Oh, oh, okay. They tie it. it to a tree. And then they start running. And then you run. You mount the horse. And then pass them, go up, tie it, tie it to a tree. And those races are usually 25 to 35 to 30 miles long or so. Oh, my God. Wait, so so... This is sounding like a relay race with the horses, the Correct. baton. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, that we see. I can't happen. decide if that's really cool or really crazy. <laughs> it's super fun. Um, I bet. I bet. And, um, and you're doing this in fun. like beautiful woods up in the exactly. mountains. Exactly. Cell phones yeah. don't work. You're yeah. off the grid oh, uh, for the weekend. Yeah. It's super fun. And then uh, because of life and a young family, I can't do that that frequently. And so I, I row, so I okay. row uh, on, a, on a crew team here. And so that's been my most recent sport that I've really gone into is, right. is rowing. I rowed in high school oh, okay. and now okay. I'm, I'm rowing so again. You've, re you've returned to it because you can, you, can you, can, you can get up early and do that and then get back home again. That's right. Yeah, we row very early in the morning. Um, and then I can come yeah, back and, and I've got, do life I've got, um, a, so I've yeah, got so a cousin who rose and it's just like ridiculous how early she gets up. It's, 
Yeah, it's worth it once you're at the lake. Sometimes it's hard yeah. to look out of bed for sure. But yeah, anything to do with sports and the outdoors and animals, I'm, I'm right there. I'm in the mix. Outstanding. Okay, so what's your lab group like then? You know, how big a lab do you have and what's the culture there? You know, so it's, every lab seems to be a little different and I think we can learn from one another and sometimes and how, how to make things work better. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, currently my lab is uh, comprised of three graduate students and a research specialist. And uh, we have lots of veterinary students, usually at least a couple mm -hmm. veterinary students that join us for uh, the summer. I've got three undergraduates uh, during the semester currently. Um, I have gone up to five graduate students, actually just graduated a couple. Um, so I have had that many and now we're down to three. So but, a little bit less exhausting. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's been um, it's but but it's amazing group. It's really mentorship is an extremely big part of um, what I feel is my job. Um, learning, continuing to learn how to be a better mentor. So actively um, looking into ways to be more efficient with my time and pass it on to my graduate students and be a resource for them. Um, with regard to time management, with regard to interpersonal relationships, with regard to um, keeping ourselves on track and on timeline. We're, we're creating, hopefully, uh, many of my, my graduate students are clinicians as well, so clinician mm -hmm. scientists that want to become tenure-track faculty. And so time management is a huge part of that. And, and managing work and life. I'm not a big one that calls work-life balance. I, I feel like there's no such thing really as, as balance, um, but right, there's right. management because there's right. time of the year where we're just in it writing this grant and you just, that's what you've got to do. And maybe a lot of other things need to be put off to the side, but hopefully you can catch back up on that and um, make it up on the other side. And so just working through that and being really transparent with my graduate students about um, the obstacles I've faced, any struggles that I've had or I'm having within reason, um, I do I do really try and be as transparent as possible that they can, so that they can get the full picture of mm -hmm. what it's like to be a faculty member. So, and they've watched me go through the tenure process. I recently got tenured last, uh, last summer. Congratulations, um, that's a big thank step. It's exhausting getting it all together for that, isn't it? The, the, yes. The piles yes, of absolutely. documents they ask for. Oof. Absolutely. Uh, it's stressful, it's uh, laborsome, and, and they, it was very cool for them, I think, to really see me go through that, go through mm -hmm. that process of becoming a mom. Like all these mm -hmm. things that I think in the past, perhaps mentors didn't necessarily share with their graduate right. students. Right. And I just think it's so important. I, we're, I hope we're much, we're much more open these days with, with yeah. our students than traditionally was the case, I think. And I, I think that's a big improvement, as you say. It's, yep. Yep. So that, that's my goal as, uh, as, as a mentor um, and as the PI of this laboratory is just try, try, always trying to, to, to do better, to be better, to be a better leader um, and to be as transparent as possible. That's awesome. I, I suspect that your students are very lucky to be in your lab based on everything you just We said. have a lot of fun. We, we work hard and play hard, we say. That's, that's yeah, what we that's say, that we work hard and play hard, uh, what, for sure. That's what you have to do. Exactly. So switching gears completely with no transition whatsoever, when people come to visit your city, what should they absolutely do when they're there? 
There's some great uh, trails. There's Umstead, okay, okay. State, Umstead State Park is a great mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. park to go visit and go for a hike in. So that's, oh, that's, there you go. that's okay. and it's it's like five minutes from it, from the NC mm-hmm. State campus. So that's that's what I'm going to go to. I'm going to go to Umstead State Park. Okay, go for, go for a hike. You can also take your mountain bike. Yeah, that's what great, I'll go with. Great. There you go. Cool. All right. And then we like to do this lightning fill in the blank round with our uh, podcast. So I'm just going to let you, I'm going to read the sentence and you fill in the blank for us. Okay. Um, the blank is the most overrated cell in the body. Um, hepatocyte. Ooh, ouch. Okay. <laughs> going to stir up some controversy with the other half of the journal. I like it. Uh, if, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, if we're not out of the woods soon enough, what should we call the next SARS-CoV-2 variant? Oh, I've got to think of another Greek letter. Uh, my brother-in-law is going to be just so disappointed. Um, let's see. I've always wanted something named after me. I don't know. Okay. Do you want the Liara variant? Liara variant. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Um, blank is the best consolation dinner after a failed experiment. Chocolate cake. Chocolate cake. All right. And... Everybody thinks that blank, referring to a lab technique, is really tricky, but it's actually quite easy. Um, I think you might start on that one too. Um, let's see. At this point, I'll say uh, crypt isolation. How's that? Okay, okay. Crypt okay. isolation, because right yeah. now we can do it with our eyes closed, with our hands tied behind our backs. But I there know you go. people struggle with it. There's gonna there's there's stem cell biologists across the country who are cringing right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're letting out all the secrets. <laughs> Outstanding. Uh, great. So that really covers everything that I planned on asking today. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Anything that you think is interesting or fun about your research or your lab or NC State that you would like to tell us about that we didn't cover? Um, I, I just think that it, uh, we're in an exciting field and, and I love I love being at NC State. I love, um, we've got such an amazing collaborative potential between mm-hmm. uh, UNC and Duke and Wake Forest. Um, and it's really made for, it's really been hard to even consider leaving here because mm-hmm. there's just so, so many opportunities with uh, regard to great research, great uh, researchers. Um, so I just consider myself really lucky to have this opportunity. Um, and we've got a unique position being at the veterinary school mm-hmm. um, to develop these translational models. And so mm-hmm. that's what, honestly, it might be a bad thing, but that's what wakes me up at three o'clock in the morning, just excited. <laughs> it's excited about doing research and excited with coming up with ways to really make an impact to, to help patients that are suffering. And I see developing these, these large animal translational models that uh, recapitulate human disease as being the, the way through. And so we just got to keep working together. The scientists that are focusing on the mouse research, there's an advantage to that, the cell-based research and the large animal models. Um, and I think uh, together we'll, we'll move forward and, and, and make a difference, which is I think what we're all trying to achieve. Fantastic. I couldn't agree more. Thank you. And so thanks so much for joining us today. This has been a really enjoyable conversation for me. And uh, I think we've actually learned a lot. I I would not have known what a ride and tie was probably ever. (laughs) They're going to be so excited that I I publicized the sport. They're going to be so excited. (laughs) Fantastic. 
Well, thanks a lot. Happy Tuesday. Thank you so much, yeah. Dr. Frey. And thank you so much, Jamie. I really appreciate this opportunity. So I have one last question for you. Yeah. How did you feel about joining the Got Guts podcast series? I, I think it was super fun. I think it was, um, I think it was, it was great, uh, great fun. I think it's a great opportunity to, to have, you know, my research, but other people's researchers get uh, exposed because it, it is hard and, and, you know, we're inundated with, I know with, reading on computers all the time. And I think listening, um, I know a lot of people that have really gotten more into listening to podcasts and things because it's yeah. just a nicer uh, media, just a different media to, mm -hmm. to hear about things and to learn. And so I think this is really awesome. I think it's great. Thank you for listening. This podcast was brought to you by the American Journal of Physiology, Gastrointestinal and Liver Physiology and produced by me, Jamie Jones. If you would like to hear our latest episodes, please visit the AJP GI and Liver Physiology's homepage.